0: open your bibles to book james james chapter 3 james chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 welcome to our evening worship service here at broadway baptist church i'm pastor daniel ozin i want to welcome you for tuning in this evening as well as i want to encourage you to share this on facebook Uh, make sure that you uh check in make a comment for where you're listening from That helps get the word out about our Sunday evening online worship experience. Plus, not only that, I believe tonight's message is one that is very important, very timely for our days. We're going to be talking about our words, language. The words we use have power. our, our, Our voice, it either tears people down or it builds them up. And the Bible speaks about this all, I mean, much, you think about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs speaks so much about our tongue and about the danger of gossip and how if we don't guard our words, if we aren't cautious and careful, we could actually, by the same words that we confess our faith in God, we also can tear other people down. By our words, we are either saved or we reject Jesus So that's what we're going to be looking at. So wherever you're at, I want you to go ahead and pull out your Bible and turn to the book of James. And a little bit also, we're going to be flipping over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. So we're in James 3 and Luke chapter 6 with that. You know, I think about words. So I have up here on the screen, God speaks. Not only does God speak, Satan speaks. And not only that, we speak. So we look at this up here. God has spoken. He spoke to Adam and Eve. Remember in the garden? He gave them clear instructions. They were to be fruitful and multiply. They had responsibilities. He made it crystal clear to them that they were not to eat from this one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of of knowledge of good and evil. They were not to eat of that tree. They could do for anything else except eat from that one tree. God spoke. But not only does God God speak, the devil, Satan, he also spoke. He spoke to Eve. He convinced her that God was actually holding something back. He speaks lies. Jesus says the devil is the father of lies. Lying is his native tongue. When the devil speaks, he's actually lying. So there's this, there's this controversy you and I constantly live in. And that controversy is who are we going to listen to? Because God is speaking. He speaks to you. He's speaking to you. But knowing that, the devil, Satan, is speaking to you as well. And we are hearing both the Lord and the devil speaking to us. And knowing that, we take this sin, we hear these words, and then we speak. And that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. When we speak, are we speaking the words of God, or are we speaking the words of Satan, which is a lie? Lying is the native tongue of the devil. Lying is the ninth commandment. Do not bear false testimony. What is a false testimony? You ask me a question. Is it the sky blue? And I say, no, the sky is not blue. The sky is yellow. That is a lie. The sky right now is not yellow. When we Speak. And it's a false testimony. There's lies involved. We are breaking the ninth commandment. The people of God, those who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, are commanded not to bear that testimony. And I shared at the beginning of this message that this is a very timely message for today because I believe lying. Bearing a false testimony. Breaking the ninth commandment. It has become almost expected. No one thinks twice about it. And you think about it. What did the devil do to Eve? He lied to her. It was the ninth commandment that got Eve to sin. The Satan, he comes up in his form of a serpent lies to Eve she believed the lie and I think what's important for us we want to make sure we do not have a lying tongue we want to be truthful God is truth when Jesus spoke when God the God has given us his word he has spoken truth if you want to know the truth you read your Bible you want to hear from God You're listening to truth. You might not find it anywhere else. Hopefully find it in God's house. But I want to tell you, some churches, you could even come to church and hear a preacher preach lies. If you remember, Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he accused the other prophets. They would go and speak to the king. And what would they do? They would lie. And he would say, you've got these prophets here with their lying tongues. They're not speaking on behalf of God. All they told the king is what he wanted, what the king wanted to hear. And we have to be careful in our lives. Are we only listening to what we want to hear? Because in many ways, the truth the truth is very convicting. It's not so much, I don't like the statement that the truth hurts. God's goal isn't to hurt us. God's goal is to convict us and draw us to himself. Now, conviction, yes, it can be painful because we we'll have to acknowledge what I've done is wrong. I have to ask for forgiveness. I have to go extend an apology. I have to submit that I was wrong. So, going back to this, God speaks, Satan speaks, we speak. So, I want you to keep that in mind. That's who speaks. In our world today. James chapter 3. Verse 1. God's word tells us here. Not many of you should become teachers my brothers. Because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says. He is mature. Able also to control the whole body. Now if we put bits into our mouth, into the mouths of horses. So that they obey us. We direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire, the tongue. A world of unrighteousness is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord, the Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does not a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. We just read 12 verses there on the tongue. Here's the truth with our tongue. There is a great possibility of you and I sinning every time we open our mouth. God tells us, he is reminding us that just like a ship, you know, think about this past week. This past Monday was Columbus Day. Columbus came here and landed in the Bahamas in 1492, October 12, 1492, and some one of the Bahama, the islands down there, and the Americas. His first person to sell from Europe over here to the New World. Thought he was going to India and to China. Came, ended up here in the Americas. And remember, who was Christopher Columbus? He was an Italian who was uh, commissioned uh, from uh, the, the king there in Spain. So he represented Spain. Even though he wasn't born in Spain, Spain gave him three ships to sail over there. But what's powerful about that, Columbus came over here. It was called the uh, Santa Maria, the Nina, and the Pinta. Those were the three ships that Christopher Columbus sailed from Spain to the Bahamas. And then he also went to Hispaniola there, current-day Haiti, Dominican Republic. He basically explored all the islands down there. Um, But that told... Europeans that there was um, another world o- over here across the Atlantic. So that was 528 years ago. We remembered and celebrated that this past week, Columbus Day, it's a federal holiday, exciting day. Remember the great exploration that he made. But you think about Christopher Columbus. Have you ever seen that ship? Those ships that came over there. A group of three ships came over. The Santa Maria was the largest. Do you know how big it was? It's was sixty-two feet long. That's how long the hole was that was in the water. Sixty-two feet. That's not even the size. Gosh, that's not even the size of the stage here. The pulpit area. The platform here at Broadway Baptist. You look at those ships. And could you imagine in 1492, they boarded, I believe it was early August, and landed two months later. They're doing something that no man has ever done, sail across the Atlantic. And they're hopping in this tiny little boat, a rickety wooden boat. And the largest of them was only 62 feet large and you're about to board that boat thinking, gosh, is this boat gonna make it? We're gonna sail all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. Nowadays, cruise ships, well they're like like—they're 2,000 feet long. The Titanic, wasn't it 900,000 feet long? 62 feet, that, it wasn't even the largest ship available in 1492. There were actually larger cargo ships than what Christopher Columbus sailed in. You know, the king of Spain probably thought the guy wasn't even going to return. He says, yeah, just here's a little boat. there's a little small cargo ship. Just go over there see if you get anything. Bring it back. And Christopher Columbus was basically going to get a tithe. Whatever gold spices that he brought back, he received 10%. And the rest went to the king. And I imagine when they boarded those three ships... The Spaniards, Christopher Columbus being an Italian, many of them had major doubts how could such a small ship make, make it through such a vast ocean. Because verse 4 says, And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder Wherever the will of the pilot directs, meaning underneath that ship, there is a tiny little rudder that is just basically guiding it through the water, through the currents. It just turns with with the captain in which direction it needs to go. The Bible is telling us a small ship, a small rudder, for our life, our spiritual life, it's our tongue, it's our mouth. Our words direct the course of our life. With our words, look at this. You tend to become what those around you say you're going to become. Do you know that? If you surround yourself by people who are encouraging, people who pray and bless you, people who want to empower you, you become those type people. Because you're hearing positive words of affirmation. One of the five love languages of Gary Smalley is what? Words of affirmation. I think that's one of Sherry's five love... That's one of her uh, major ones. she's, She's a person who likes to be affirmed positive things said to her. And what happens is when people hear positive words, they want to do more positive things. And that's what happens. You surround yourself by encouragers. You likewise become an encouragement. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. They do. You look up here. It says we shape our words. You use positive words. Encouraging words. That's what type of person you become. If you are a complainer, if you are someone that has the spiritual gift of negativity, you will be a negative, cynical person. This past week in the newspaper. President Trump insists that he's free of the virus. He's ready to go speak at rallies. President Trump, if you get the coronavirus, you're supposed to quarantine for 14 days. Well, after 10 days, President Trump has announced he is now immune to the coronavirus. And it says here, the president insisted he's now immune from the virus, and then the AP, which is an AP story, and in in our local Herald Leader says a claim they wrote the, the editor of this a claim that is impossible to prove, and added to the unknowns about the unknowns about the president's health. Even the author of the newspaper story doesn't even believe the president, so he speaks that he's now immune to the coronavirus, and the newspaper reporter is saying, "Uh, it hasn't even been 14 days, and you're already ready to go back to the rallies, and you're immune to it, which we don't even know if is possible. So what's happening here is the media, which, no surprise to many of us, is questioning the president. And I think what that happens to us is Basically, that type of thinking, that type of speech, the type of questioning, it has crept into our life. So when we hear things, we're constantly cynical, constantly thinking, ah, that's a perspective. That's one way to look at it. Whereas God is speaking to you and I, and He's telling us in verse Six. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members, meaning people who are saved, among church members. Have you ever wondered about being a member of a church? That's, uh, that's justification right there. The word member is used in Scripture, meaning you should be a member. You should belong to a local church. And you you have a tongue, you have words it stains the whole body, meaning the body of Christ, sets the course of life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell, meaning Christians have the power in their language, in a church family, among the body of Christ, to destroy people's lives. And God is speaking to you and I saying you don't need to be that man. You don't need your words when you say yes, your yes needs to be yes as Jesus said on the sermon on the mount. Your no means to be no. We shouldn't have. We should. We don't want to have possibly a reputation like the president. So when you speak, there's always someone else who's sharing the so-called other side. No. With God, there is no other side. God has spoken. God has made it black and white. God has saved only by my Son, Jesus, you will be saved. Church member, you want to experience revival? It starts with your language. You want to see a body of Christ? You want to see the body of believers set on fire? You can either burn down a church or a church can experience revival fires. You burn down a church with gossip. You do burn down a church with lying. Literally, people can go to hell with their tongues. With your mouth, you choose to reject or accept Jesus. With your mouth, you are going to be a gossip or you are going to be an encourager. With your mouth... A church is either going to burn down or it's going to set on fire for revival for Jesus. And set on fire for Jesus means people coming and confessing Jesus and praising Jesus as their Savior. What do you want? You know, we're on a Sunday morning sermon series on being renewed. Talked about this morning, church renewal. How does it occur? It occurs with church members. You and I, us, realizing we have powers with our words. When you go to school, when you go to work, when you're among your friends, are you talking positively about the Lord? Are you sharing about what Jesus is doing in your life? Are you excited to be saved? Verse 6, he made it very clear. But I was looking up here on board again. Verse 6. I don't want y'all to miss this. It says, last sentence, it stains the whole body. That's what our mouth does. That's what, that's what a tongue can do. It stains us. I it hurts. Do you know when you are slandering someone else, it actually leaves a stain. It doesn't even have to be true. Just make something up. They'll remember that. It sets the course of life on fire. Meaning people are destroyed by your words. And I think what God wants to tell us, if you are that person that is using your tongue, that's going about shaping your words that way, you will become, that will shape your life. You will find yourself separated from God for eternity because of slander, because of your language that you use. You know, Colossians 3.8, it reminds us that we as believers, we are not allowed, we are not permitted to allow filthy language come from our mouth. And filthy language just doesn't include uh, cuss words. Filthy language is language that's speaking negatively about other people. I think we have just become immune to just immoral talk using the Lord's name in vain. We don't even think twice about it. And God is God speaking to you and I, saying that that is not for the believer. Do you know, think about it. If your heart is right, your words will be right. Jesus spoke about this. Turn your Bible. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. The Lord tells us, he gives us an example about this tree and how a tree produces a certain type of fruit. Obviously, if you see an apple tree, you expect apples from it. Look what Jesus says here. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. Meaning, a fig tree, obviously, is going to produce figs. Grapes is going to produce, a grapevine is going to produce grapes. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. Meaning, you know somebody, if they're good, because what do they do? They produce good from them. An evil purchasing produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For here it is, the main verse. Do not miss this. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his whole of his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. What is inside of your heart is what comes out of your mouth. In Jeremiah 17:9 tells us that our hearts are wicked because of our sinful fallen culture. We have corrupt hearts. Look at this. Corrupt words flow from a corrupt heart. If you find yourself going around with corrupt words, if if you just sense I'm just I'm negative I'm complaining, I'm griping, who have I? what man have I become? You know, if, you're, if you have become a grumpy old man, a grumpy old woman, you, you don't have to be old, a grumpy young man. You have to stop in self-awareness and what type of person have I become? Do people not call me? Do folks not want to spend time with me? Am I not a blessing and encouragement to others? Because that is what flows, Jesus says, out of our hearts. You and I want to have hearts that have an overflowing words of affirmation and encouragement. Encouragement is a spiritual gift. The Bible is telling us in verse 9, back in James chapter 3, with the tongue we bless our lord the father and with it we curse people who are made in god's likeness who are we to curse someone who are we to speak negatively who are we to call out someone who is created in the image of god just like you and i here i come to church i sit in this pew on sunday and i'm praising the lord You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm putting people down. God is saying, don't do it. Don't be that man. God's calling you and I to be encouragers. Listen, if you surround yourself with negative people, negative movies which then make negative thinking in your life do you know what's going to happen? you're polluting your soul your soul will be polluted our words Jesus is telling us are an indication of our hearts in the self-reflection tonight, this evening I want you to look at yourself and say God God I read this scripture here. Am I a blessing to other people? Do I write notes of encouragement? Do I pray for others? Do I practice intercessory prayer? Do I mail cards letting people know, brother, I'm praying for you? If someone's sick, are you lifting them up to the Lord? You know, ultimately, the solution to our tongue, the solution to our word problem is actually the word of God. If you're listening and you're watching this and you're thinking, Daniel, I'm that man. I'm not using the gift of encouragement. I want to encourage you to get in God's word and say, Lord, show me scripture that I can use to change my words. That I fall under conviction when I'm getting negative. When I find myself becoming a complainer. God did not save you to complain. It's my passion. It's my desire to see Broadway Baptist Church. I know it's the pastoral staff's desire to see our church. I also know it's our Sunday school teachers' desire to see our church grow and reach Lexington for the Lord. To have a vibrant ministry that touches all different ages, all different types of people. We want to have a reputation of such an encouragement, of a spirit of love and acceptance so that people come and know if you're coming to church here, if you're coming to worship here, you are going to hear and sing about how great our God is. Because He is a great God. He has saved us. And he wants you and I to use our tongues to encourage and to bless others. I'm asking you this morning. Will you be a blessing? I'm going to pray for you. And this prayer, I want you to be thinking about. Lord, I need encouragement. I need to change my word. Dear God, I pray for those listening. I pray for those that might be struggling with their words and their language. Lord, we know the power of our tongue. That we can either see people saved or send people to hell with our language. And I pray we will use, us as church members, us as believers, we will use our language We will use the words we put on social media, that we talk to others, that they won't have a gossipy spirit, but be the spirit of encouragement. Lord, I pray for anybody listening. Lord, that you convict them of their language. Lord, we won't find ourselves polluting our soul. Lord, bless us. Help us be a blessing to others. Lord, I thank you for the tongue. You've given us two ears and one tongue. Make us listeners. Let us listen more than we speak. Remind us of the danger. Every time we open our mouths, we're capable of sinning. And that should cause us to pause and think about what we're saying. Lord, I thank you for everybody listening. I pray you take these words and you seal it in our hearts so that we live boldly for you. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on this evening worship service right here in the middle of October. I want you be praying for a revival, praying for our country, praying for me, praying for our church, praying that we have a renewed power as a church body to use our tongues to reach Lexington with the gospel. God bless you. I will see you every Sunday night right here at 6 p.m.